sis. I'm glad you're back for another episode of Productivity in Proverbs 31. And I'm excited that you're here because we're diving a little deeper into the whole prophecy question and what is the end times? What does that mean? What is what is the tribulation and how do we get there? And that's what I'm going to look at today is we're going to take a step back and we're going to kind of do an overview of scripture to help you get a, a big bird's eye view, if you will, of what the word has to say about end times. Now, I do want to encourage you, if you've not checked out my new course, Busy Women Get It Done, a look at Proverbs 31, I would love for you to take that. That would bless my heart so much. Much to know that these words that I feel like the Lord has given me has been used in your life to help teach and train you and help you to become a more a more godly woman and one that looks up and is after his heart. So that would be an incredible blessing to me. And also, if you have questions about your salvation and your faith, that would be our five days to faith course. So either way, I trust and hope that you will go over to kathylanham.com or you'll click in the links below in the show notes so that you can get started on your personal walk of faith or you can deepen your walk of faith. And in today's episode, you're probably going to want to grab a pen and jot down some references because I'm going to be giving you quite a few. Hey friends, welcome to the Productivity and Proverbs 31 podcast. I'm Kathy Lanham, your host, your mentor across the airways, if you will. I'm a mom of five, former teacher and top 2% company leader, now I'm a coach, a podcaster, and a business strategist. Stick around if you're a Christian mom with some big dreams, messy bun, and sweatpants. You might feel all the guilt, but you refuse to be a Pinterest perfect mom. You live in your car and reheated coffee is a staple. If chaos is usually rampant and you'd like some practical tips on how to grow a business, grow in your faith, and get some control with an occasional date night thrown in as a bonus, hang around. Because as we grab these few minutes together, I want to help you keep growing in your faith, build a business that lines up with your God-given gifts and talents, and make memories of a life you love. So reheat that coffee and let's get started. So jumping into the prophecy question, when churches have conferences or when they have a revival teaching, and we don't even see very many revivals anymore, but anytime there's a conference where prophecy is the topic, the places are generally packed, packed to overflowing because there's a lot of question. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of things going on in our world today that invokes fear. And when we talk about the end times, it's not spoken of very often, but when we do, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was in the Bible. What? God already has told us the end. And that's the cool thing. God has already told us the end. He started way back in the Old Testament and he's told us how the beginning and the end. So we know who wins the war. We know how the story ends. So we as Christians do not have to live in fear, but we can live in with hope and with joy and encouragement and a joyful anticipation. And even in the midst of our hard times, because hear me very clearly, that being a believer and being a Christian does not mean that we're not going to have hard times. That does not mean that we're not going to suffer persecution. It does not mean that sickness and cancer and illness and death is not going to visit our house. We live in a fallen world. That is a part of the makeup of of who we are here on earth. That's how it's designed. And evil is a part of that in our lifetime. But what we can do is we can face our circumstances with joy, with hope, with peace, knowing that. The God of all comfort will comfort our hearts. The God who sees knows where we are. The God of peace can give our hearts a serenity 
that there's no earthly explanation for. So that's exciting. And that is what I want to be able to encourage you with. So let's look back. If we're looking at how in the world did we get to this point where the Lord's going to come back and why is he pouring out his wrath? Well, I think we have to go all the way back to Genesis. I have a friend. I have a friend that says everything can be explained if you just understand the book of Genesis. And I don't think she's wrong because when we go back to Genesis, when we go back to the original creation, we get some truths that are foundational to the faith that if you miss this and if you get this wrong, then you can be one degree off that leads you way down the path later on. So the first thing to understand is that in the Garden of Eden, all of time began right there. When God created the heavens and the earth, when we see that God is creator and we're the creation, we are part of the plan. Just like he made the earth, he made us and time is unfolding on his time schedule. When we read Revelation, when we go to the end, we see the culmination of that plan. So he tells us the end of the story and his redemptive process. So as we move all the way through the Old Testament, and then we go through the New Testament, we find that there's two parts of the Bible that all con- that converges as one. There's a saying that I learned a long time ago, I don't know who to give credit to, and the saying goes, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. And it's talking about Jesus, it's talking about the two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament, where everything in this book, 66 books, all of the different authors, they have one united theme, and it's telling us what the Lord is going to do and looking forward to Jesus. So the Old Testament conceals who Jesus is, it points to him. The New Testament reveals that he's come, and it tells us what his plan is for his church, his believers. In the Old Testament, when we begin in Genesis, we see that God is talking to Adam and Eve in the garden and he has a plan. And then shortly thereafter, we have the fall. We have sin because God gives us free will. So we have sin in the Garden of Eden. And from that point forward, we're going to see covenants where God is making an agreement with his people. And a covenant always is made from the more strong party to the less strong party, and it benefits the lesser party. So we are always the beneficiary of all of the good things of a covenant because God is the one who promises and we're the ones who benefit and are blessed. But in Genesis, if you read through that book alone, you're going to see creation, the fall of man, Adam and Eve disobeying, how those consequences are passed on to all mankind in the New Testament. In Romans 5.12, we read that through one man, Adam, Death entered the whole world, and so that all of sin, because of that, it transferred to all of us. But in verse 18, we see that even though that through their sin, it resulted that all men would be condemned, even so, through the act of righteousness of one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, there resulted justification of life to all men. So that is the, that's a cool little verse to memorize and have in the back of your head. So we've got sin has entered all mankind. Cain kills his brother Abel. In chapter six, we've got all of the patriarchs, and they're all living 800 plus years. Get over to chapter 11. So we have the flood. Chapter 11, we have the Tower of Babel. Chapter 12, Abraham is called. So Abraham is important because he's the father of the Gentiles, but also he's the father of Isaac. Isaac is the father of Jacob, and Jacob is the father of Israel. Father Abraham had many sons. Anyway, we see that even with Jacob and Esau, there's trouble. He steals the birthright from his brother, and it just goes on and on and on, all through. So we have all of these covenants then that follow of this sin. God keeps saying, if you will obey me and do what I have commanded, 
I will bless you. But of course, as human men, we can't do that. And so we had the sacrifice system and, and all of the things that happened in the Old Testament. So let's fast forward to Daniel, okay? We're talking about prophecy today, not, not a whole Bible course. But when we get to Daniel, that's where we get our first clear prophetic teaching of end times. And God is speaking this to the bride of God, Israel, his church, his chosen one, his bride. And he's speaking this. And he said, there's going to be 70 weeks of trouble. And these weeks are actually in prophetic words defined as years. So there's going to be 70 years of trouble. These first 69, we can look back because we're on the other side of these prophecies. We can look back and see how each one of those was absolutely predicted to the nth degree and has come true. There's one week left. So the 70th week, Daniel's last week is still left. That's future. So that's prophecy that has not happened yet. This is where I believe God is dealing with his church, his bride, Israel, and that is still yet future. We can see all through history where God's hand has been with Israel and the Jews and has protected them. But now there's still, the Bible says, one more week left. There's one more time where he, God is going to call his people unto himself, that he is going to pour out his wrath, but he's also pouring out his love and bring them back to himself, bring them to a fuller understanding of himself. Meanwhile, we get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus has come. He says in John 14, 6, actually, let me give you that reference. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, I could go into each one of those, the way, the truth, the life, no one but but I won't because we're looking at prophecy here and I've already gone on a couple of rabbit trails. So when Jesus came, we get up to this point where Jesus came to the world and John also tells us that he came into his own, the Jews, and and they knew him not. So he came into his own. They didn't accept him. Some did, many didn't. And so he provided a way for Gentiles. That's all of us listening that weren't from Jewish heritage. He provided a way for us. And so prophecy, as we're looking forward to this last week of Daniel that we're talking about, when we're looking at the rapture and the tribulation and all of the times forward, now that deals with both us and it deals with Israel. So the rapture, that taking up, that calling out when Jesus comes to the into the clouds with a shout and he calls us to himself, that's the rapture. That happens simultaneously worldwide. People will just be gone. So you can be talking to somebody and poof, they're gone. If Hopefully, if you're listening and you're the one talking, you're the one that's going to be gone. So that happens immediately. And then if we go into 2 Thessalonians, we're going to start to see, if you lay over 2 Thessalonians and Revelation, you're going to see things that are happening, both on the earth and in heaven. So once the rapture happens and the church goes to be with Jesus, then a series of things happen. We go before the Bema seat judgment, and that's the the grace field, the mercy seat. Our sins are completely covered by the work that Jesus finished on the cross. We do nothing to add to that salvation. Not any of our good works, not the Sunday school classes that we taught, not baptism, not sitting with the sick, nothing we do adds to that salvation. It was finished. When Jesus said it is finished, that's what he meant. It is finished. However, how we obeyed, what did our obedience look like? That is where we are judged at the Bema judgment seat. Okay. There's another judgment, the great white throne judgment. That's later for unbelievers, but we are raptured up. We're given a new name. We're given a robe. We're given a seat at the table, the bank, the wedding feast of the lamb. All of that happens after the rapture. That's what happens with the church, the bride of Christ, those who believed. 
Okay. Now on earth, what has happened is when the church was taken away, also the Holy Spirit was removed. And the Holy Spirit in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 6 says, You know what restrains him now so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness, that's Satan or evil, is already at work. Well, we can certainly see that in our day, huh? Only he, the Holy Spirit, who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. When the Holy Spirit, when the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit with us, then evil is allowed to run rampant. Now just think about the confusion. So we've got mass confusion here on earth. People have disappeared and there's going to be all kinds of stories put out. The universe has cleansed itself. UFOs came. Who knows what is going to be told. But those who are left behind will be buying that bill of goods. It's very important that we're in the word, that we so know what God says, that we're able to point out and spot when a false prophet is teaching us something that's different. And even with my words, I am telling you, take it back to your Bible. Look at this, these truths for yourself. Examine, search the scriptures, find out what you believe. Begin to build on that firm foundation of faith. The church is raptured. We're given a new name. We're given a robe. We're given a seat at the table. We go before the beam of seat of judgment. And meanwhile on earth, all hell is breaking loose. There's going to be food shortages, global supply chains, because Christians in all walks of life are going to be taken away. Planes are going to be driving themselves because the pilots are gone. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy time. And that will happen and continue for three and a half years, getting progressively worse. Because that part, that first part, remember I told you it's seven years, that tribulation time. So that first three and a half years is terrible. But then when you see, if you're still here and you see a peace agreement that's been signed by a man in power, and he is the Antichrist, and he promises peace with, peace with Israel and brings peace to the Middle East, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> We're going to have peace with the Middle East. There's going to be a mark of the beast where you're not even going to be able to buy and sell unless you are unless you have that mark. People are going to be haters of anything good. The church is going to go so underground. Christians, and you can become a Christian after that time, but it will be very difficult. And I'll tell you now, probably persecution is a given, but martyrdom is also. So that time is going to be marked by Christians being just martyred. We can recently in our history, we had ISIS that were beheading people for believing in the Lord and and it was videoed and it was broadcast so we could all see it. So those, those gruesome, horrible, awful acts of violence against Christians, it's just going to be intensified. And I don't know if you follow the voice of the martyrs, but there's more persecution of the Christian faith going on worldwide than ever before. And we don't see that here in the States because we're insulated. But I want you to know that these times are not going to be good. They're going to be perilous. And that is going to continue until the Lord sends his army, until he comes back again, until Armageddon happens. It's when the Lord comes on his white horse with his army behind. That's those of us who are believers. And then he ends lawlessness for a time and a time. So Then comes the thousand-year reign. So Jesus comes, he binds Satan and his demons, and he puts them in the lake of fire for a thousand years. And that part of history we call his millennial reign. And that's going to be a pretty cool time on earth. But then when the thousand years are over, Satan is going to be released from prison. And he will come out and he's again going to deceive nations because even in that millennial reign, there's going to be folks who don't believe. And so at the end of that time, the devil is going to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet also, they're going to be tormented forever. That's eternity away from God. And then 
the great white throne judgment happens all of the world. The great and the small will stand before that throne. Books were opened and then the book of life and all of the world will be judged at that time. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is yes and amen. That's a promise that's going to happen. All of the sea, all of Hades, every every person that is dead will come to be judged. And then even death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death, that lake of fire. If your name is not found written in the book of life, you're also going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And after that comes a new heaven and a new earth where there's no need for any light. It's a heavenly city. The earth will be made new. It's not going to be like it was before. It's not just a new and improved version of planet earth. It's a new heaven and a new earth, the holy city, a new Jerusalem. And we would be made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And then that's the time when there's no more tears, no more sorrow. God wipes away every tear. There's not going to be any death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. All of those things have passed away. And God who sits on the throne says, behold, I'm making all things new. He is the Alpha and he's the mega, the beginning and the end. And when he says, it is done, it is done. And he gives to all who come and ask of him freely. If you thirst, he gives you drink and he gives you life. And that is the hope and the excitement that we are to speak to one another and encourage one another with these words. When these words were written, it wasn't as some kind of strange thing that may or may happen, may or may not happen, but it was written to believing hearts to encourage them to look up, to be ready for the day of the Lord. And my dear Katie's, that's what I pray for us is that we as a group will be mighty warriors in the name of the Lord, that we will understand the times. We will not be frightened by any fear. And like that woman in Proverbs 31, we will call the Lord blessed doing all that he's commanded us to do. So guys, be encouraged with these words. Seek the scriptures, know what they mean and apply them to yourselves. And if you have questions, DM me over in Kathy Lanham. That's my the handle in the social media. Go DM me, ask your pastor, get some answers. And I have some fabulous resources at the end down in the show notes. Oh my goodness. Fabulous resources of other podcasts and some uh, novel type books that are written with the word. And I trust that you will be blessed by those. So let me know if I can help you in any way, shape, or form, and go be a blessing to others. Because when you're a blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Take care. Hey guys, real quick, I hope this episode was a blessing to you and that you learned a nugget of truth, got a laugh, or had something that you can share. It would be such a blessing to me if you would go over to iTunes and leave me both a starred and a written review. I would love to be able to read some of those reviews online and that pours into my ministry and my work so much. In addition, if you want some of our free things, that's found over at kathylanham.com. I'd love to connect on social media. DM me at at kathylanham. That's my handle over on Instagram. So until next time, go be a blessing to others because when you're a blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Take care. Take care.